Dogcast Radio. If you like dogs, wherever you are in the world, we're the show for you. Hello and welcome to episode 146 of Dogcast Radio, in which we investigate the scientific and the alternative. We have an interview coming up with Reiki master teacher Rob Fellows. The concept behind Reiki is that you take this energy that's freely available and around in the atmosphere and a Reiki practitioner will transfer that energy into, in this case, the dog. And we also have the Dogcast Radio News and more. But before all that, have you heard of the citizen science project Dognition? It's an investigation into dog cognition, how dogs think. And the citizen science comes into it because project organiser Dr Brian Hare is hoping that you and I will provide data on our dog's response to simple tests, which the Dognition team will analyse and provide feedback on how our dogs are intelligent. And I love that approach. Dognition is not about whether dogs are intelligent, but rather about the different ways in which they are intelligent. Yeah, yes, ma'am, absolutely. And the idea here is that, um, you know, from a scientific perspective, there's no way to say anything except for that dogs are really one of the most successful, if not most successful species on the planet except for humans. Um, when it comes to mammals. And so, you know, we take as a given that they are geniuses. And the question is, you know, how is it that your dog at home is doing what it does so well? Um, And just like people, um, dogs are individuals and they have different ways of solving problems. And they're all different. Everybody who's had multiple dogs has had the experience of saying, God, this dog is so special. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then you get another one and, wow, this dog's really special too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great way of looking at it, actually, that, you know, they're geniuses because, um, you know, we we know that there are well-trained dogs, there's assistance dogs or, you know, agility dogs or dogs that do a lot of tricks. But even, you know, your, your bog standard, if you like, family pet, He's a genius because he, he lives and fits in so well with a completely different species, doesn't he? Well, absolutely. I mean, the, I mean, if you, if at one point during uh, dog evolution, um, or I should say wolf evolution, um, there was a speciation event where a group of wolves decided to start following humans around and eating their garbage and ended up by accident self-domesticating themselves. There are now, um, you know, well over 100 million or more of those, um, the offspring of those individuals, uh, while, you know, wolves have essentially been eradicated from Europe in most places, and, you know, they're barely hanging on in North America, Um, So, which is sad. But if you take an evolutionary perspective, it's obvious who the winner is there. And, um, you know, so dogs are genius. The fact that they can, you know, that they're uh, evolved to... Um, be so successful with us is just absolutely remarkable. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's have a look at some of the, the, the kinds of intelligence, and you've given them names. Some of them, you know, are good, you can guess what they are, but some of them are, are you know, I'm, I'm a bit more obscure, like Stargazer. What's that kind of intelligence? <laughs> well, let me back up a little bit and say, okay, okay so you're, you're talking about the, the profiles, and that's the <laughs> ultimate goal of playing uh, the dognition.com games okay. with your dog, is yeah. you can find out your dog's cognitive style. 
Um, and there are nine cognitive styles that we can help you identify where your dog fits in. But how you figure out your dog's cognitive style is you play a series of games, uh, actually ten, and um, those games are organized into five different types of intelligence. And I think, and I think our scientific board thinks that these five types of intelligence are like core competencies for being a dog. And they are empathy, uh, communication, uh, cunning, so like how tricky is your dog, uh, memory, and then reasoning. And the idea is um, when you play these games, you will be able to do something you can do no other way, which is you'll see how your dog plays these games, but then through the website, your dog's data will be compared to all the other dogs that have played these games. And that's how you get your dognition profile, is how is your dog solving these problems relative to all the other dogs? And is your dog one relative to other dogs that is really relying on empathy, or is it more reliant on communication, or is it more reliant on its ability to um, be cunning, maybe uh, use its understanding of you against you? Um, <laughs> is your dog, uh, you know, some dogs are not above that. And, um, you know, is your dog relying on its memory or maybe it doesn't rely on its memory um, so much? And then is your dog capable of making inferences? So that's really what it's all about is playing those games, finding out how you, what strategies your dog uses, and then there's an algorithm that helps us figure out where does that put you in terms of the dog's cognitive style. Yeah. Um, and so some of the cognitive styles, for instance, like the Einstein, um, okay, those are, that's a dog that is, for instance, that's a very easy dog to describe because it's sort of on one arrow. It's extreme in terms of the way it solves problems on its own. So it doesn't really rely on you as much as, as, as many other dogs do, mm -hmm. uh, their owners. It, it can really solve things on its own relative to other dogs. Um, then you have like the socialite and the charmer. And those are dogs that really rely on you more than they rely on their their own wits to solve problems. Mm -hmm. The stargazer is a little bit of a mix of everything, <laughs> and and that's how the the ace is the same way. Mm. Yeah, you see, I mean, the other one I find intriguing is Renaissance dog. Yes. Now the Renaissance dog is good at a little bit of everything. And, yeah, yeah. And and that's the idea is that um, you know it's it's using sort of. It can solve problems on its own. It can rely on you as well. And, um, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's good at a little bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. You see, another thing that I find really appealing about this is when we've done um, with our dogs, you know, how intelligent is your dog tests um, mm -hmm. and things like that. And I've seen some on television. If they're not incredibly obedient, we tend to look at that dog and sort of go, oh, you're stupid because you won't do what I'm telling you. Whereas you're actually valuing that the dog that doesn't just go okay i'm i'm going to do what you tell me for example of course. yeah well for of, of course you know the the test there i'm thinking of is the um you put a treat under a cup don't you but you you point to the other cup the cup That's with nothing right. in it yeah right well and the way and when you take a cognitive approach thinking about the obedient dog as being smarter i mean that's actually um a little bit silly because the um you know, take the example you gave where you show the dog where food is hidden and then you actually point to the other location that's actually where the food is not. Well, in one case, you're gesturing and communicating to where the food might be, but the dog is actually seeing where the food is. So the question is, do they use their memory or do they listen to you and what you're communicating? And it's just a question of how they're tuned. 
some dogs are going to say, hey, you know, I know you're pointing over there, but I know where it is, so I'm going to go. And then other dogs are tuned to say, oh, my gosh, you know, he's saying it's over there. I totally trust him, so I'm going to go no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a question of one dog smarter than the other. It depends on the context. And the um, I think the main thing to understand, actually, about what is cognition really all about is flexibility. And anytime you train a dog actually really what you're doing is you're making it less flexible because you're saying when I, when in this context, I only want you to do this. Um, so the, you know, when we study bonobos and chimpanzees, for instance, mm. I mean, we would, we wouldn't be impressed if they didn't have seven different solutions to the same problem. I mean, that's what's so amazing is they, they're so flexible. Yeah. Um, so that's what this all tries to capture. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you take into account sort of, previous learning you know um, what I'm thinking there is the dog that might have had just basic training Mm -hmm. will will be quite a different kettle of fish from one who's sort of done advanced obedience as you say the the mindset will have been altered by the training won't it uh that is absolutely an interesting point and um here's the way we think about that Mm -hmm. is that um all behavior is a product of nature and nurture um and you know, a lot of times you'll read in the press it's nature versus nurture, but that's because people love to have dichotomous thing, battles about things that where there is no dichotomy. And so uh, the way we think about it is essentially that um, it could be that, you know, certain experiences could affect dogs and make them more flexible in terms of how they solve problems. Hmm. Um, but the truth is when you look in the scientific literature and where people have tried to look at this, um, there's very little evidence, actually. Um, and so the best studied example is, for instance, we have a communication task um, where you play, where you're honest with your dog, and you there are two pieces of food. They can see the, where the food is. There's actually no problem to solve. It's just a question of which piece of food are you going to tr- retrieve first, and you point to one of them, and you don't point to the other one, and which one does the dog prefer to go get first? Mm. And so a dog that is really primed um, to, uh, you know, pay attention to what you, ha- what you're saying, um, you know, then they're going to, um, go to where you're pointing, even though they can see both pieces of food. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when people have done those kinds of studies and asked the question, was your dog trained or not trained or, um, you know, uh, what's the history of the dog? Honestly, nobody's found a difference. Um, mm. and I think part of the reason is because we've also looked at six to nine week old puppies and six to nine week old puppies are remarkable at um, using human gestures and it's not that you can't get a dog to be better but they're already so good at it there's not much room to make them better wow that's incredible right and so so the um i mean there is variance there is variability but there it's relatively narrow and so you can push things around a little bit, but, but really not that much. So the assumption, I mean, what we'll do is we'll ask people what their dog's training history is. And, of course, it could be we find out on one of these games that actually, you know, your experience being trained really makes a big difference. But mm. my guess is that given what we know already, um, these games really measure core competencies. And they're less about is your dog able to sit or stay. They're more about you know, how good is your dog's memory, which you can't train a dog to have yeah. a good memory. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's, that's sort of the thinking. Yeah. I guess as well, you know, it's a very human thing to, to sort of go, right, now 
I am dog training and now I'm just, you know, being in my house watching television or reading a book or whatever. Whereas the dog the whole time is watching us and learning and we don't even realize that, do we? Yeah, no, of course. Yeah, they're they're still operating, even though you're not necessarily yes. actively uh, <laughs> engaging with them in some way. And um, you know, one of the fun ways that dogs do that. Everybody's had a dog try to nuzzle them, and you know, with their <laughs> muzzle, and get your get your attention when you're trying to do something else. And then, ultimately, really, what they're trying to do is get eye contact with you because um, you know, often because when dogs make eye contact, we know through various studies that that creates. Um, the, it, it increases the production of oxytocin in the person. Mm. And it basically is the hug hormone that makes you want to be more social. And, you know, they're basically trying to manipulate you with their eyes <laughs> so you'll spend more time with them. Yeah. So don't get caught in that evil gaze. <laughs> Do you know, it's funny, but if you, some, dog, some dog behaviorists and trainers will, will have you thinking like that, you know, and he's manipulating me. No, no. It's, uh, it's, it's really, when you, you know, start looking into it. I mean, somebody was saying to me the other day, my border collie sits on my foot a lot. And she was saying, don't, don't let him do that. You know, and it's, it's, uh, when you, you start to look at why they're doing things, that's really interesting. Um, has, has... Well, and one of the other things that I think will be fun, sorry to, um, mm-hmm. uh, just quickly, quick point is, I think one of the other fun things about dognition.com will be that, you know, there are trainers who are fantastic. They know much more about how to train a dog than I ever will. But I think what dognition.com is going to provide them and, you know, those who are trying to train their dogs with a really powerful tool because you can't really have a one-size-fits-all training approach. And I think trainers know that. Mm. But this should help them understand which dog they may need to approach in a different way before they even start training them. Yeah. Because with the profile, you'll know, oh, wow, this is a dog that's really reliant on, you know, communication. Oh, this dog's memory is, you know, they're not really using their memory that much. Um, and so then you can adjust your training strategies. And, and, you know, why is it that one training strategy works with one dog and not the other? I think this is going to be a big part of the explanation and it's going to really help people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you stand to get a huge amount of information about dogs, don't you? Because it's, it's called citizen science, isn't it? Where people... Uh, you know, the, yes. the general public is is contributing the, the data. Is, is that right? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, um, the idea is that this is going to be wonderful for everyone. And so because people play these games, um, you know, everybody's going to potentially benefit. Um, and so, you know, as a com- you know, while you're finding about your own dog, you're actually contributing to everybody's better understanding of dogs because what we can do um, is we can go in and ask a bunch of questions about breed differences or about um, training techniques or about, um, you know, age or sex-related effects that truthfully there's no public funding to ask these questions. And I think, you know, people don't necessarily know that is that I can't go to a funding source um, that is, you know, a, a federal or a government source of money and ask, hey, wouldn't it be really fun to find out if Chihuahuas have a better memory than Great Danes? Mm. I mean, everybody would love to know that. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there's no way for me as a scientist to get that, to get money to then go do that project. And and so that's what dognition.com, we can answer, you know, hundreds of questions like that. And because everybody is contributing uh, to this community effort, and then we'll share it with our membership and eventually with everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now, it, it costs $60, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And but 
can, you know, I'm in the UK, for example, so can I join in? Is it open to everybody around the world? Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's online. You just, you know, if you have access to the internet, um, then you can do it. And all you need to do is go to dognition.com and sign up. And then um, you can either use your um, your desktop computer to play the games with your dogs and it'll walk it walk you through it. But if you have an iPad or an iPhone or um, uh, other uh, mobile devices, uh, actually you can use that and that will allow you to play the games anywhere you want. If you want to go out and if there's some place where you'd like to play these games with your dog, then that's how you can do it. So that means you could use it in a class with your, if you're a trainer, um, you can, you can use it anywhere as long as you have, uh, you know, either a, a mobile phone or, um, uh, you know, like a smartphone or, a, or an iPhone. I mean, an iPad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, while it is science, pretty much any owner and any dog can, can have a go at these games, can't they? Yes, and that's the idea is that right now if you want to have if you want to contribute to the science of understanding the dog mind, you have to live near um about one of five institutions or universities. Where for instance at Duke, I run the Canine Cognition Center, we have a thousand um local pet owners who are are wonderful bringing their dogs to play games. Um there's one or two places in Britain where you can do that. Um but this means you, everybody can participate, and you don't have to leave the comfort of your own home if there's a rainy day and you're looking for something fun to do and maybe you want to get your kids excited about science and you want to learn a little bit about more about your dog and maybe you're tired of just buying that same old chew toy. Um, and, you know, just like we pay money to take care of the stomachs of our dog, um, this is like you pay a little bit of money and you get to find out about how you can, in, in, you know, um, enrich the mental life of, life of your dog. So I think it's going to be fun for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Now, has there been much research before into, you know, dog cognition? Well, okay, so that's the fun thing. And, of course, we've read a book called The Genius of Dogs, and it's coming out in Britain, I think, on the 21st. And um, we, um, in that book, review everything that's known scientifically about dog psychology. And what the, the first thing to understand is there's been a total revolution in the last 10 years. Before 10 years ago there was not research comparing dog psychology to bonobos and chimpanzees, our two closest relatives, or to wolves, um, or to human infants. And now, for 10 years, people have been doing that, and we've learned a ton about how dogs solve problems relative to other animals, and that's what allowed us to understand what's remarkable about them. And in generating the games to understand their psychology, that's then what we provide in dognition.com, are these great games to uh, uh, assess their... um, you know, how they're solving problems and the strategies they're using. So the book is really about what we've learned about all dogs in the last 10 years. And then the company is about your dog and how you can participate and take advantage of all the great things we've learned. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, anything that gets people and dogs active and actually working the dog's brain, you know, is great, isn't it? Because it's as important to work their brains as to give them a walk every day, isn't it? Absolutely. And the other thing is just to acknowledge that they're individuals and just like, you know, some people are good at math and some people are good at English and, you know, some people are artists and sports interested and, you know, it's the same for dogs. And so this is the first time that as, you know, as a community, because we have the Internet and we have all this new science that everybody could take a peek inside their dog's mind. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. And you will be publishing the the, the final sort of results. 
Yeah, so the idea is that we will um, we'll let our membership know first, of course, when we found out things. And, of course, people may submit, hey, can you look at the data and find out about this? We really, really want to know, you know, uh, are the British dogs um, – <laughs> you know, better at memory and communication than the German dogs. Um, and we'll go into the database and we'll go answer that question for you. And, yeah. and then, um, you know, and actually there in the future, we can't do it right now, but in the future you'll be able to query the data yourself to do that. Um, but then, you know, we will use the data to then answer questions that are more scientifically oriented as well and publish them in peer reviewed journals. And, um, you know, everybody will, um, you know, be able to access that information. Mm. See, I hadn't even thought of that aspect, that sort of the different, you know, the, the nationalities of people that the dogs live with would help shape them. You know, I was thinking more sort of breed lines and possibly age and gender. But that's a fascinating aspect that, that may well come Well, we had, we had uh, in our beta program, we had, you know, we didn't even advertise it. And uh, we had about 2,000 people show, I mean, 2,000 um, uh, dogs were signed up. And they were signed up from 38 different countries. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be able to go in and for fun, you know, look and see if there's any differences. And I, I can, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if there will be. Yeah, yeah. And that really is fascinating because, as you say, once, you, once you're sort of being online and your, your um, results coming in like that, they are so searchable by so many criteria that will be so interesting oh it's gonna be so fun i mean that's exactly what this is all about is it's gonna be really fun and and you know if if you're a dog lover i don't know how i could be better than this and you know the (laughs) i mean i I can't wait you know to uh, go learn more and then share it and everybody kind of pitch in and we can all learn this stuff together and i mean it's gonna be really really fun yeah yeah you obviously are a dog lover yourself Oh my gosh! Yes, yes. yes. I grew up with, uh, and we, I, in the book, we talk about all the, um, and we, as my wife Vanessa and I, Vanessa Woods helped me write the book, and um, we we talk about a lot of the dogs that have been in our lives, and um, you know, as a kid, that was sort of how I ended up studying animals, was because, of course, when I was little, my best friend was a dog, and um, so we uh, talk about all, you know, all the dogs that we've had in our lives over our life, and you know, really, it's it's that more than anything that led to writing a book and having a company is, you know, going from being, having your childhood best friend being a Labrador retriever to then as a graduate student, getting a beautiful shelter dog that ended up being part chow chow and (laughs) learning very quickly that, wow, um, there are really some differences between different dogs. And now we have a, we have a rare American black dog from the shelter and, you know, he's, as different as the other two were from each other. So, I mean, it's just so fun. Yeah. And to somehow understand and be able to describe and measure that a little bit better and then potentially use that to help our relationships and, and, you know, learn more and be, have a better partnership. I mean, I'm just so excited to see where this all goes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that is the beauty of dogs that there, there is, a dog out there for everybody whatever you're looking for they are so varied you will find a dog that will match your personality and this kind of project you know well this project because there isn't another one like it but this project will will help give insight into you know the kind of dog you know there are individuals but the kind of breed or mix that would work for you and your lifestyle isn't it well and the, one of the future hopes at dognition.com is imagine the dog at the shelter who 
is an absolutely wonderful dog that let's say is, you know, a charmer, you know, very socially oriented, um, uses all sorts of social strategies, isn't particularly cunning, um, you know, and maybe uh, doesn't solve so many problems on its own, i.e. it would just be a delightful pet to have, but he's physically not so attractive. Mm. And there he sits at the shelter for eons and never gets adopted out because nobody could see beyond the appearance. And so that's what I'm hoping that we can do at dognition.com is, um, you know, in that case, this will give people another tool um, where, you know, you can describe that dog a little bit better, get people excited about this is an individual. Here's what makes him so special. And, you know, I think it could really help um, uh, in in the context of, um, you know, having more dogs adopted out and even more successfully. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a force for good. I'm fascinated. Um, So if people want to find out more or to participate, um, where do they go online? Just dognition.com. And um, it's dog, or sorry, it's cognition, but you replace the cog with dog. So D-O-G and then nition, (laughs) N-I-T-I-O-N. Smashing. And and the name of the book again? Uh, The Genius of Dogs. Excellent. We'll put links on to both of those. Awesome. <laughs> Brian, it's been absolutely fascinating. The best of luck with it. Um, All right. And it's, it's, going to, it's just going to get more and more interesting as it goes along. Well, I think so. And, you know, we're going to make discoveries and we'll announce them. And, you know, there'll be all sorts of um, stories to tell. And I hope people uh, enjoy what we learn. If that's inspired you, check out dognition.com, where you can watch videos demonstrating the tests you'll need to do with your dog and find information about the different categories of dog intelligence. There'll also be a review of Brian and his wife Vanessa's book, The Genius of Dogs, on the Dogcast Radio site soon. And for now, we have links where you can find out more about and buy the book. You're listening to Dogcast Radio on www.dogcastradio.com. An old dog, even more than an old spouse, always feels like doing what you feel like doing. Robert Brolt. Hello and welcome to the Dogcast Radio News Desk. I'm Kate. And I'm Nick. It's that time of year when, for those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, the weather starts to improve, or at least it should start to improve. However, warmer weather can have serious consequences for our dogs, and it's never worth the risk of leaving your dog in a car in summer. There was very sad news and a terrible reminder of just how dangerous even a mild spring day can be for a dog left in a car when, recently, a therapy dog died in Kent in the UK. Ruby, a five-year-old Labrador, was accustomed to accompanying her owner, physical education teacher, Dave Carden, to school. Dave would leave Ruby in his car in the morning, and another teacher would collect her early in the day and take her to work with some of his students. But on the day in question, in April this year, Ruby was not collected from the car due to a staff mix-up and ended up remaining in the vehicle from 8am until 2.30pm. Outside, temperatures were only 20 degrees centigrade, that's uh, 68 degrees Fahrenheit, but despite a desperate dash to the veterinarian, it was too late to save Ruby. The RSPCA has launched an investigation. 
For mixed breed Naco in Nebraska, USA, it was very cold weather that resulted in him being found frozen in a puddle of icy water in the cellar of a house his owners had abandoned. The poor puppy lost all four paws and the tip of his tail to frostbite. Although he was recovering in a rescue shelter, with his paws healed to rounded stumps, the future looked very uncertain for him. Nako could only crawl on his stomach and was unable to join in with the play of the other dogs around him. But fairy godmother in the shape of veterinarian assistant Christy Pace was looking for a rescue animal who was really in need of help. She adopted Nako at eight weeks old and set about raising funds to pay to have two back leg prosthetics made. The company who made and fitted the prosthetics, Orthopets from Denver, USA, were delighted to see how well Nako took to his new rear limbs and not only provided them free of charge, but went on to provide two further free prosthetics for his front legs. Bear in mind that one canine prosthetic limb can cost between one and $3,000. Nako is the first dog to be fitted with four prosthetic limbs, but he can now not only walk, he can run, jump and even swim. And on the Dogcast Radio website, you can see videos of Nako getting around on his new legs. And thank goodness for people like Christy Pace and the team at Orthopets who make the world a better place. In the UK, animal charities have been highlighting the fact that the way stray dogs are processed has become a postcode lottery. Since 2008, local councils have been allowed to decide their own policies on stray dogs, and this has led to geographical differences and cutbacks to vital services. Their concerns were put to the EFRA committee, that's the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee. Steve Goody from the welfare charity, the Blue Cross, said that members of the public regularly contacted rescue centres unsure of what to do with stray dogs they had found, particularly out of office hours and at weekends. Claire Horton of Battersea Dogs and Cats Home revealed that many Greater London councils merely make a note of a stray dog on their website and refer the animal straight to Battersea. Gavin Grant of the RSPCA also was worried about the variation of provision, but Gareth Pritchard from the Association of Chief Police Officers claimed public safety was better served if the police focused on dangerous dogs rather than stray ones. The EFRA committee continues to consider draft law on dogs. What do you think of a vending machine for dogs, where instead of putting coins in, the dogs have to do work to get the food? Well, on Clapham Common in South London in the UK, a prototype appeared. The machine tempted dogs nearer by making enticing noises, apparently, for example, a cat's meow. Then the dogs had to grasp and pull a toy bone, which moved a lever which fired a tennis ball, which the dog had to retrieve to earn a treat. The machine, made by Baker's Dog Food, claims to encourage fun engagement and exercise. Do you think your dog would like one? And we end with a story that may come under the category of too much information. American scientists have been investigating bacteria and have found that dog owners have a lot of bacteria on their skin, thanks to their dogs. People living in the same house tend to have the same mix of bacteria on their skin, but dog owners who don't even know each other have about as many skin bacteria in common as a married couple living together. But before you rush out and buy antibacterial hand wash, the bacteria we get from our dogs is a mixture of harmless bacteria that they transfer to us when they lick us or put their paws on us. Apparently, we're all crawling with bacteria, which actually contribute to our health, aiding our metabolism and our immune systems. In fact, studies have shown that contact with pets, especially at a young age, helps to build up a strong allergy-free immune system. 
So go on, give your dog a big cuddle right now. And that's all from us today on the Dogcast Radio News Desk. Goodbye. No one appreciates the very special genius of your conversation as the dog does. Christopher Morley Many people find that Reiki helps them and their dogs cope with life and certain illnesses. So I went to talk to Reiki Master Teacher Rob Fellows to find out more. Rob gives Reiki treatments to both humans and dogs and also runs courses to enable others to do so. Present for the interview was Rob's lovely Springer Spaniel, Monty. It's his heavy breathing you can hear from time to time, not me or Rob, honestly. And Monty has, as you'll hear, benefited from Reiki himself. The first question had to be, what is Reiki? Well, Reiki is uh, an energy healing therapy Mm -hmm. and it works on the basis that um, we have energy all around us. It takes energy to do everything that we do. We're using up energy now talking to each other. Mm. Um, And so um, the, the, the concept behind Reiki is that you take this energy that's freely available and around in the atmosphere and a Reiki practitioner will transfer that energy into, in this case, the dog. Yeah. So it's a case of putting good energy in or can you get bad energy? I mean, what? because I'm trying to <laughs> get hold ah, yeah, of yeah. it. Yes. Reiki can them? only be used to do good. So there's no there's no harm that you can do with Reiki. Yeah. So um, you couldn't have somebody who's an evil person yeah. doing Reiki trying to do harm on yeah. people. It's just no, I was thinking about getting bad energy out. Oh, kind of okay. Thing. I see what you mean. Yeah. No, um, the, the, the way I'm concerned, it works yeah. on a one-way flow. Yes, uh, I do get asked by people. Well, if, if I'm if I'm doing Reiki, um, is the way to do it to actually take the bad from you know the, say the pain or yeah. the, or the or the anxiety or the stress from the from the from the dog or the person that I'm giving Reiki to? Should I be taking that from them in order to to alleviate their problems? And I say, mm. uh, no, no way. It's a one way flow yeah. as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Yeah, the last thing that I want is somebody else's angst. Well, exactly. Otherwise, you're going to end up with yeah. Absolutely, I'll be Mister Mister Stressville myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the last thing that I want. So no, it's a one-way flow. So it works, as I say, by by t- the, the the Reiki practitioner uh, taking that that energy that's around that positive energy and transferring it into the dog to help them. Yeah, yeah. And do you have to be with the person because it's not like hands-on? You don't have to touch them. Am I right? Or you do? Or and can it be done from a distance? Because I read about this. Oh yeah. Well, there there are, there are various ways actually that you can. In fact, there are three ways that hmm. you can actually do Reiki. There's there's the first, which is hands-on, and oh, literally, is, yeah. literally, you've got your hands on, and um, so you you're just gently placing your uh, or resting your hands on the on the on the dog yeah. and um, transferring that that energy in, into the dog. That's that's the first way. The mm-hmm. second way, you're actually with the dog, but you haven't actually got to have your hands touching. So your hands could be lifted um, uh, an inch or, or or two away from the body, and that energy will still transfer from you into mm. the dog. Okay, so that's that's method two. Method three that you've just mentioned is is distance reiki, mm. and that's absolutely true. Somebody who's been trained to level two or above reiki, uh, there there are three levels at reiki: level yeah. one, level two, and reiki master. Um, so if you've been trained to level two, then you, you you'll have the ability to send reiki across a distance. So mm-hmm. that could be 
literally across the room, into the next room, the next town, the next country, mm. so and, or anywhere around the world. Yeah. yeah. And, and actually, I, I do have a number of clients. I mean, I've, I've, I send Reiki every day. I've sent Reiki this morning to, mm. to clients um, all over the place in the USA, um, uh, in England, in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, all over the place, India, Indonesia, all over the place. So I have clients all around the world. And so I send Reiki to them or to their animals. Mm. Now, I'm fascinated with the distance thing. Because, I mean, now this is going to be a very silly question, but do you have to know where they are? Or you just, do you have to know sort of who it is? Do you have to have a, a photograph of them? How do you do the distance thing? Well, um, on occasions I have a photograph yeah. of, um, of them or their pet. Uh, but I haven't got to have that. What I do need, uh, though, I need to know the name of mm. the pet, let's say, um, and where they're located. Where, where they're located. Yeah. So... Um, Preferably, I need to know. I don't need the full address, yeah, and, the postcode, postcode and, um, or zip code, or whatever. Yeah. Don't, need, don't need any of that. What I do need to know, though, is it's say it's um, uh, fluffy the the uh, miniature, t- yeah, or whatever, yeah. um, and that they're that they're they're located in um, Perth, Scotland. Mm. And I also like to know. I don't have to know this, but I like to know how they feel the Reiki could help. Yes. So yeah. what's what's the problem that's going on that they yeah. think Reiki could help with? So mm-hmm. I need to I need to know those sort of base facts really. Yeah. And then away I go. Yeah. So what kind of I mean, do you mainly deal with problems with is it a treatment thing or is it uh, can it be a general thing that any dog could benefit from? Well, absolutely. Any 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 dog could benefit from. Mm. So you, the the Reiki could be used for um, a number of different sort of purposes, really, and it, it, it actually works. It's a very holistic therapy, and it can work on different levels. So it can work on a physical level. So I have I have a human and, and, and animal clients who've got um, um, pain, or they've had operations, or they've got issues to do from from a physical point of view. Yeah. So uh, the Reiki, uh, if, if it's either hands on or if it's sent yeah. uh, a, a distance, is to try and alleviate some of those problems. Uh, to help perhaps um, with speeding up the recovery process from surgery, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also help on a sort of psychological level. So I get a number of, of uh, animal clients who've got issues to do with stress or anxiety mm-hmm. or maybe noise phobias. You know, fireworks particularly is a, a problem with, with dogs. And often if they're fearful of fireworks, they're fearful of general noise yeah. as well. Yeah. So I get a number of clients um, who ask me to help their dogs on that basis. Yeah. So Reiki can work work on that level as well. Yeah. 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 Now, obviously, with, with the dog, you know, with the person, they know they're getting some treatment with an animal they're not going to even be aware they're getting the treatment so to see effects you know it's working don't you well in actual fact in on on one level they are aware because hmm. they can actually sense the energy yeah. that's, that's sort of coming from me um and so although they can't tell me um they i i can get clear um sort of feedback from them that they can sense there's something going on yeah. actually I, I get some good feedback from the owners Hmm. On, on many occasion, I can be in a room talking to the owner of, of, a, of a dog, say, and the owner will say, that's really interesting, Rob, because normally Jack the dog yeah. wouldn't stand by a stranger 
because he's got arthritis and he knows he can't move very quickly. So he mm-hmm. generally will stay out of the way and be in his basket or his bed in mm-hmm. the corner of the room. But actually what's really interesting is he's actually standing right by you. Mm-hmm. So there's that kind of feedback yeah. that I can get that they, you know, they, they don't necessarily know what's happening because they can't say, hey, I'm going to give you some Reiki now. Yeah. You know, they, they don't know what that means because yeah. obviously they're, they're, they're a dog. But... Um, but there's some, th- uh, there's, some, there's some messages that they're giving to their owner that are different to the normal way that they behave when I'm around them. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, and that's fantastic. I love that. I bet, I bet, yeah. So, it, I mean, if they know there's something going on, generally, what is their reaction? Because, you know, when we're talking about reaction, is it kind of a hang on what's going on? Or is it more of a, oh, that's not quite nice? Which, which way do they... Ah, it, it, can, it can work in all ways. Hmm. Um, um, as you've just touched on, if... If I if I said to you, Julie, I'm going to give you um, oh, would you like a Reiki, <laughs> I'm not going to force it on you a Reiki session now, mm. and, I'm, and would you would you lie on this on this therapy bed for me? It'll take about 45 minutes to an hour, this type of thing. And um, will you just lie just lie there and relax? Then I'm sure you'd oblige me. Mm. And you would just do that. Now, yeah. animals don't work the same way, obviously, <laughs> yes. and it has to be their prerogative whether they want the Reiki or not. Hmm. So if they decide that they don't want it, they'll trot off. Now, what I don't do is then chase them around the room trying to get my hands on them to yeah. give them the Reiki because that's, you know, they've obviously decided that they've either had enough or they don't want anymore. You know, that's it. That's, yeah. the, that's, that's the end of the session. So what I normally do when I work with a dog is I sort of offer my hands to them, as you do to greet yeah. a dog, um, you know, in, under any other circumstance. Let them have a sniff and see see how they react to that that energy that's sort of coming coming mm. from my hands and so um typically um any any one of these scenarios could happen a dog might accept it straight away and come to me and lie down by me and i just get on with it I just place my hands on the dog move my hands into different positions you know hold them for a while move my hands to then to a different position so they get a sort of full full mm. reiki treatment um but that's that's fine if they do that others will come and have a look they'll wonder what's going on they might trot off i'll just keep still nice and calm offering the offering them my hands still and then if they're um happy with that they'll come back to me and they might get up and do that two or three four or five times even yeah. during a session they go off and come back go off come back and um, sometimes they might go off um, come back but then stop a few feet away from me and, and let's say for example they've got a, a problem to do with um, their back let's yeah. say you know they've, they've, they've pulled a muscle or they've got arthritis in fact Monty my springer he's got arthritis in the base of his of his spine yeah so so some some dogs will go off then they'll come back towards me and they'll actually turn and point towards me the area where they've got their problem. Yeah, yeah. So they know there's yeah. something going on, mm. but they, they can't necessarily understand quite what it is. Yeah. But most, I mean, I've not had any dog that won't accept it or doesn't want it. Yeah. You know, I've not had one at all where yeah. they just do not want it. No, it's fascinating. Yeah, and I, I like it when you've got um, when you've got a dog when the owner says, "Oh, I don't think that this you know you won't, you'll be able to do anything to, with the dog because it's just too wild and oh. you know running around too much and too boisterous." And so I just can't. I don't join in with play. Mm. I'm not there to play with them. So I just calmly sort of sit there and 
give them whatever time they need to sort of um, calm down. And I, yeah. I'm thinking about one particular dog hmm. who's um, who's a three-year-old. His name's Jake, a three-year-old um, stuffy cross hmm. with, a, with, a, with a fox terrier. And he was um, his his problem was noise phobia. Yeah, and he'd go completely bananas when the postman came. Um, as you know, during our conversation, the postman has just arrived at, uh, at yeah. my door, um, and um, uh, in this in this scenario, Jake would just go bananas, mm-hmm. uh, and they could, they just couldn't control him. So when I went to the house, I went to their home. I operated a mobile service. I went to their home, and Jake was this crazy. Um, when I say wild, I don't mean you know, mm. dangerously mm. wild. I mean mm. just just, know, of, just yeah. boisterous dog, and he was literally running around the top of the settee, mm-hmm. not on the cushions, on the on the top on the of back? the wow. on the back of the cushion of the settee, running around the house, going mad, 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 mad. Um, and so for about twenty minutes, literally, I just sat there, and the owners was said, "Well, I don't think you'll be, you know, I don't mm. think this is going to happen because I said, no, let's just, you know, let's just give it yeah. give it time." And so eventually, this dog, who was running around like a mad, crazy dog, just ran round around the lounge one more time, leapt up onto my lap and lay down on my lap. Oh. And then yeah. stayed there while I could do the Reiki. And the owners were, were sort of flabbergasted yeah. because they said that, that, that Jake wouldn't go on anybody else's lap mm. and has never been on anyone's lap apart from the lady who owned, who owned the mm. dog. So that's a... You know, uh, um, maybe a more extreme example yeah. of how one has to be a bit more patient mm. with, with with the animal because, like I say, you can't just say, "Hey, lie there, yeah. Jake, while I give it you some reiki," you, yeah. Yeah. and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Fantastic, mm-hmm. because obviously he had, he had his own agenda. Yeah. But then eventually, as I say, he just realised, "Wow, this is going to be good." Boom, on the yeah. lap, went to sleep. Thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, for a dog, to, for an animal, for a dog, any you know, any animal to behave like that. It must have a terrible burden. So it must be such a relief. Yeah. You know, when somebody is there to help yeah. them with it, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what's in this particular case, during this session, the dustbin men mm. came and they said, Uh oh, the, the the owner said, Uh oh, the dustbin yeah. men are coming. Prepare for, you know, yeah, a, mayhem. A, a, for, for mayhem, <laughs> yeah. exactly. But actually didn't flinch. Mm. Not at all. Didn't flinch. Fantastic. So all things being equal, he's uh, he's got over his problem now. Yes, thanks, yeah. thanks, thanks to uh, just a one session. That's I would say so. One session sometimes can. Yeah, I, I, only, I only had one session with Jake, and um, hopefully that's you know he's wow. he's he's sorted now. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. What other animals can you tell me about that you other dogs that you other dogs? Yeah. Well, I, I, another um, one that that is 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 sort of close to me is a, a dog named Cassie, hmm. who's uh, an English bull terrier, white English bull terrier, hmm. and poor, dog. yeah, absolutely beautiful, yeah. beautiful dog. And I was running a clinic um, in my local vets, yeah, and um, the the owner uh, Lorna called me and said, "Oh, can you can you see Cassie?" Um, she's got a fear of absolutely everything, mm-hmm. and so yeah, okay. So she booked in to see me at uh, at my at my clinic, um, and she called me on my mobile phone and said, uh, "Oh, I'm downstairs, Rob. I uh, sat in the car, and I can't get Cassie out of the car oh. because she's um, she. Uh, when I opened the the, pa- the the passenger door, she jumps to the to the driver's yeah. door when I open the garand." Do the, oh. She jumps to the passenger's door and then she jumps into the back of the car. And so I just can't get her out. Can you come down, please, oh. and help me get her out of the car? Now, um, my dogs, 
don't like going to the vets. They they can they can they got that, that yeah. smell. It's that sort of clinical smell, yeah. isn't it? And then and they obviously recognise that and and. Um, for some reason, imagine it's going to be, be mm. unpleasant needles experience. And needles yes. and prodding and poking yes. and, and not nice. Um, I think Monty's cowered off at the thought of <laughs> going to the vets. Yes. Don't mention that word. But, uh, but, but clearly that couldn't be the case with Cassie because she hadn't been to this, this, this vets before. It mm. wasn't, my clinic wasn't in her normal vets. Um, she travelled um, 20 miles to come and see me. Um, and so she, it couldn't be associated with that at all because she didn't know where she was going and so on. Anyway, I came downstairs and we, I literally carried Cassie into into the room. Oh. And she spent the first 15 minutes or so hiding behind her mum's legs mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, shaking. She was literally shaking from head to toe. But, they, but after a, a sort of patience and so on, I mean, I get down on the floor with them, really. Yeah. So I was down on the floor and... Um, uh, eventually, she sort of bobbed her head round from her mum's legs and came out out to me, and then accepted the session from me. Mm. And her shaking stopped. Actually, in about two minutes, her shaking stopped. Wow. So that was pretty good. Yeah. And what's great about about this sort of story, you know, this this sort of case study, really, is that that um, Cassie's a changed dog now. Mm. Um, she, she used to be fearful of uh, well, well, um, most things, but particular examples of her her concerns were men. Mm-hmm. were brooms were open doorways you wouldn't pass through a doorway oh. um and um and also white transit vans well transit vans yeah, yeah. so one and in in she was four years old and she'd had six homes in the four, four years oh. so you could probably imagine without me saying what had gone on yeah. in her life to make yeah. her fearful of men yeah. brooms open doors oh. These, yeah. ki- these kind of things so for her to accept that session from me yeah. I think was pretty good because yeah. um, you know she well, men are, were, were one of her fears now she's uh, a, a changed dog mm. uh, she, had, she had two or three sessions from me uh, but what's great about it is that uh, Lorna her owner she's gone on and and has done uh, and been on one of my one of my mm. one of my one day Reiki for dogs training courses so she were, is now able and has been for a while now able to give Cassie Reiki herself yeah. whenever she wants to on a daily basis or where, wherever she w- wants to yeah. um, and uh, and now Lorna has booked to come on my Reiki level 2 course yes. which takes place next month Excellent. so she's 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 um, she's so impressed with it that she's now on the journey herself yeah. doing doing Reiki to, to continue to help Cassie yeah yeah now when, when you're training someone to do this because to me it's kind of Amorphous is that the right word? It's kind of what do you know what I mean? There's no, it's not get this piece of paper right on it, or do, you know, there's no. How, how do you measure whether you're actually doing it? How do you show someone how to do it? Right. Okay. Yes. It's um, it's a very different way of learning to going off and studying yeah. um, any other kind of um, you know, normal kind of study where you'd have to write essays and exams and so on. What's key to it is to is to have um, your own inbuilt natural ability to give Reiki healing, to have that triggered by a Reiki master teacher. Hmm. And that's what's key to it. And it, it, that's called the attunement process. So you're attuned to the Reiki energies, basically. Yeah. Um, and so it's a little sort of um, process that one, one has to go to. And that's the key part of the training day. Um, and then, so, so once, once that's been done, you would then have the ability to give Reiki. 
And what's fantastic, really, I, I think about it, is that everybody, and I mean everybody, mm. has the ability to give Reiki. It's not something that's, you know, I'm not special. I'm not... A, a, I'm sure you are. Well, I, well, I am in lots of ways, <laughs> but, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not elite then. Mm. You know, I'm not um, uh, the chosen one to be able to do this. Everybody has that, has that ability to do it. It just needs to be triggered. Mm. And that's what I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I can only see um, a number of dogs, obviously one dog at any one time, I, I can actually see. And so it's, it seems unfair to try and keep that to myself when I know I've got the yeah. ability and the skills to transfer um, that, to, 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 to release that ability yeah. for anybody you else to do it. And so that's kind of what I do, really. That's where, I, mm. that's where I've developed my, my work to, because uh, that's what yeah. really... I think it's great that I, I know there are, there are loads more people out there now who can help their own dogs, yeah. cats, horses, yeah. people, whatever yeah. it might be. So on the, so 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 sorry back back onto um, what happens on on the course. So once once the attunement process has been carried out with with the, with those people who are on the course, then I want them to 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 have the confidence to know what to do. So so then they will spend time actually giving reiki so mm. they will give reiki to somebody else who's on the course you sort of pair off and they give reiki to somebody else on the course so that they can feel for themselves that it's working for them and they can get feedback live feedback mm. from um from a human obviously if we're working with a dog the dog can't say hey that feels warm there that feels good there they, you know that, mm. i couldn't feel much there you know they can't they can't get that from a dog um, and so they work on a person, they can get that feedback, then they swap over. Mm. Then, then they know what it feels like to receive Reiki. Because a lot of people maybe have heard of Reiki when they come on the course, but not actually experienced mm. it for themselves. So it's good for, for, the, for the students to be able to practice it. Yes. To prove that they can do it. So they know it's so, so when they leave me at the end of the day, they know it's working for them. Um, they all get um, a, a detailed coloured photograph manual. Hmm. So it shows them how to give Reiki to a person, how to give Reiki to themselves, because that's important that you keep yourself hmm. um, in, in, in a fit state, as it were. Yeah. So, you, um, so the manual shows how to give a, a Reiki session to yourself. And then on my uh, Reiki for Dogs course, there's a whole section about how to give Reiki on a dog. Yeah. With lots of photographs, and so um, they take that away with them. So, so on on, on the day, obviously, is it's people are going through a learning curve. It's not it's, it's a really laid back, relaxing day. Um, I can normally set my watch that by about three o'clock in the mm. afternoon, everybody's so chilled um, with all that reiki energy going on that everyone starts yawning and they're kind of whoa, <laughs> and you know, and they, they and and I can almost set my my watch mm. to it about three o'clock. Because they've they've had Reiki from me during the achievement process, they're now they're now giving Reiki to other people, um, and once once they've proven to themselves that they can do it, then they practice on a dog, and so yeah. they, uh, they they have live practice usually on on Monty, on Monty. <laughs> uh, or on Scrummy, who's our other dog, mm. and they're both usually here to as as demo dogs, mm. and they get uh, loads of Reiki from from my students, and off they go. Uh, knowing that they can give Reiki, not just today but forever. Yeah. You know, I, I call it a gift, 
a, a gift for life. It's the gift mm. of healing, a gift for life, because it lasts forever. You don't need to redo it or yeah. to um, to come and have uh, any more sessions. It's basically then down to practice. Mm. And practice, practice, practice. Uh, not that it's difficult. By practice, it, no, maybe, that, maybe that implies that it's hard work. No, it's not. It, what it means is the more you do it, the the stronger your energy mm. flow becomes and the the, 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 the better a Reiki uh, mm. giver you become. Yeah. It's really interesting. How did you get into it? Oh, I got I got involved to help my uh, my previous Springer named Joe. Him at the time he was about thirteen. I'm talking nineteen ninety nine, so it's been mm. what's that, about thirteen, fourteen years yeah. ago, uh, that I got involved and um I had a, a Springer named Joe. Uh, he had arthritis in mm. his paws. Um, I had uh, a lower back problem. Mm. Still do a bit. I've got a really hollow back. And um, at the time, I was having some problems with it. And a colleague of mine said I should have or to have some some Reiki sessions. So I found somebody out who um, who, who did Reiki. Went along there. Um, uh, found myself lying on this therapy bed, fully clothed. And I hasten to add, that's the good thing about Reiki is no, there's no taking yeah. your clothes off <laughs> unless you want to. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm lying on this therapy bed, um, um, having having Reiki, and it mm. felt so warm and relaxing and really pleasant. And um, when I got off the therapy bed, and my my mobility had improved and the, the pain had subsided, and so. I had, a, I had two or three sessions um, and and my mind was thinking, well, actually, if this is helping me, mm. I'm sure I can help my dog. So literally, you know, I find myself in a, a, about a month, or, a month or two later going on a Reiki training course myself. Yeah. And so my my trigger, my, you know, my catalyst for doing this was to help my Springer. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously... Um, nothing cures arthritis. No. I'm not trying to pretend for one minute that I cured his arthritis because that's that would be uh, that'd be silly. However, um, I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I'm pretty sure I helped with his pain reduction yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, in, in support of his veterinary treatment. Um, yeah. Um, and um, and to help his mobility. So he had another uh, another couple of years uh, with us. He was he was 15 when when he went. Yeah. And so that was my that was my reason to be involved. So. Yeah. Hence the reason why I have this interest in, in, in helping animals as well as people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you say, you can't cure arthritis, but to take, well, to even help or lessen the pain or, you know, however much you, you help do it is a huge thing because it's that pain that we we know is depressing and it stops you doing what you want to. So, And a dog doesn't understand why. So that's a huge thing to be able to do, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I, 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 like, I like to work with people who've, uh, or, or animals who've, who've got arthritis or maybe a stiff neck, or um, a back a backache, or back problem, because I can often get instant feedback from them when they, you know, in, in the case of, of people, and say, "Oh, actually, that feels better. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can I can move my move I can move my shoulder now, yeah. that kind of thing." And so, so to me, that's a huge reward that I can physically see that I'm that I'm I'm helping. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, yeah. and and so let's we've got Monty with us. We have. <laughs> um, he, he has panted and joined in at times. <laughs> um, and and he's thirteen. Yeah, he's well, isn't thirteen. He? Yeah, and he he's had issues as well, hasn't he? Recently, so tell yeah, us. Yeah, he him. has. Well, um, 
Monty was uh, was a uh, he's a Springer Spaniel. Uh, he was a, a pup when he when he came to us, and uh, about the same time I started doing Reiki actually. Mm. So um, he's been having Reiki all his all his life, yeah. um, which which is good. Um, now, just uh, I don't know about four years ago, he was diagnosed with arthritis mm. and uh, prescribed some uh, some uh, medication for it. Um, but but I'd rather if I can do what I can do for him yeah. to be fair and so, so that's what I've been doing so so I've been working on that with him particularly his, his problem is at the base of his spine um, just about where his tail joins, mm. his, joins his back end and that's where his problem is and um, what's, what's interesting about Monty is that he'll come up to me and he'll turn his backside to me mm. and he, he must have that I don't know half a dozen times a day or so he comes up to me Points, points himself to me I put my hands on him and then he trots off when he's when he's had enough because mm. he, he's obviously well used to getting yeah. reiki so that's um, yeah that's where so so I, I help Monty in that respect but but as you're right to say just recently he's had a problem and a, a, a lump appeared on his neck and um, the vet said well let's just monitor it we'll see what sort of happens and then um, I, I was I was away one weekend and, and I dropped him off on the on the Friday um, and came back on the Sunday evening, and uh, his neck was had swollen. It was massive. It was horrible. Great big massive lump. So of course, first thing Monday morning, I was down at the down yeah. at the vets with him, and um, it had seemed that what had happened was that this little lump had um, had burst, and it was full of um, horrible horribleness. Yeah. So the um, the vet kind of lanced it and um, bandaged him up, and mm. um, the uh, the lump went down. That was good. Gave him lots of Reiki, as you can imagine. So the, the lump went down. That seemed that seemed fine. Mm. But about a month or six weeks later, it reappeared, mm. and it was about the same size as a as a golf ball. So on this occasion, um, we we decided we mean that the, the vet and I decided we should remove the lump. So that's what we did, and um, stitched him up, and uh, and uh, kind of away we go. Yeah. Uh, I went back then for the post operative. Um, uh, consultation yeah. and the vet said uh, well this is amazing he's 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 wound you know he's, yeah. he's, he's has healed up like he's a very young dog mm-hmm. and not a 13 year old so uh, yeah. that's that's really good so the, the vet was really pleased with him yeah and um, touch wood um, all things being equal and all that um, he seems to be okay yeah he certainly doesn't behave like a 13 year old no. dog he, he, he's full of energy and you know I'd have said 6, 7 yeah you know, he's, exactly he's he, great. he looks uh, he looks like that he, he, he looks um, even younger when he's had a bit of a haircut but obviously with it being um, <laughs> yeah. a, a bit cold outside his hair's got a bit uh, a bit long mm. but once the spring comes he'll be back uh, back at the groomers for a mm. bit of a haircut and he'll look um, even younger yeah <laughs> Yeah. So if people are listening to this and maybe their dog's got arthritis or behavioural problems or, you know, um, seems like it can treat, you know, a whole variety, would you say go and try and find a, a Reiki? Yeah, I would. I um, I would think that um, it's worth having a go. Um, there are no guarantees uh, with anything, with, it, with no, any... With, with any, life. <laughs> with, with life, absolutely. So there are no mm. guarantees. Mm. But um, i definitely say have, uh, give it a go because it's, it complements all veterinary treatments um, and it also works alongside anything else that's going on. So if, um, if anyone's um, doing T-touch or 
um, canine massage or, mm. or anything else, um, um, canine bowing therapy, etc. So no matter what's going yeah. on, it Reiki will... can complement um, um, whatever whatever has been diagnosed or, or is, 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 is happening to that dog. Yeah. And it can't do any harm. There's no manipulation. You're not sticking, you know, you're not putting needles in. You're not, you're not um, uh, manipulating in mm. any way, shape, or form. It's very calming, very gentle, and and very supportive of of, of other therapists. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do do people need to look for sort of certification or anything like that with Reiki? Is there? How do we know we're dealing with a good? I mean, I know you said you can't do bad Reiki, but how do we know we're dealing with someone that you know knows? Does actually well, you should be you should be checking whether somebody has actually been is qualified to yeah. do so. So, um, for example, anybody who comes on 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 my courses, they will have a certificate yeah. which shows that they've been attuned to le- Reiki level one or, or Reiki level two, whatever. Yeah. So, um, always, um, if if you want to, you can ask to see their certificate to show that's that's the case. Um, and if you're somebody who's providing Reiki. Um, on a commercial basis, mm. then they should have insurance. Yeah. So you could always ask to see proof that they've got insurance, um, and they're they're the kind of checks that you ought to be looking to do. Yeah. And I, I'm also a, um, a Reiki master teacher member of the UK Reiki Federation. Yeah. You haven't got to be um, a, a member of of, of any affiliated uh, association, but those who are, you know, they yeah. in order to get through that process they will check that you have the appropriate qualification to do so. So that's a sort of good a good benchmark to go by. Yeah. 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 And where can people find out more about you online? Uh, well, online, I've got a couple of uh, websites. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is uh, reikiforedogs.co.uk. That's the number four, reikiforedogs.co.uk. Um, but just recently, I've uh, launched a, a, a brand new website yeah, yeah. Um, to cover all the aspects of the work that I do, which is robfellowsreiki.com. So you can find out about it on there. Smash it. Well, it, it's been fascinating to talk to you. Thank you very much. My pleasure. You can find out more about Rob at those website links, which you can click straight through to via the Dogcast Radio site. And not only can Rob send Reiki healing to your dog anywhere around the world, but if you would like to become qualified in Reiki, Rob has developed a home study course, so wherever you are, he can guide you through the process. It may interest you to know that Rob has also done Reiki not only on people and dogs, but cats, horses, guinea pigs, rabbits, a python, an owl, fish and spiders. This is Rule 46 from the Oxford Union Society, London. Any member introducing a dog into the society's premises shall be liable to a fine of one pound. Any animal leading a blind person shall be deemed to be a cat. In the UK, Mark Abraham, also known as Mark the TV Vet, has organised a petition to ban the sale of young puppies and kittens without their mothers being present. This is a continuation of Mark's Where's Mum campaign, which encourages puppy buyers to see their pup with the mother of the litter to try and discourage sales of puppy-farmed dogs. Though there may be a few cases where a bitch has died and so cannot be seen with the litter, the bigger concern is that puppies mass-produced in horrific puppy farms are separated from their mothers too early, transported long distances and sold via pet shops, newspaper ads, websites and private dealers who pose as breeders. 
If you'd like to support the petition, you can find the link on the Dogcast Radio site, as well as our Facebook and Twitter pages, and we'd love to know what you think of the idea. Until next time, look after yourselves and your dogs. Thanks for listening to Dogcast Radio, available from www.dogcastradio.com. That's D-O-G-C-A-S-T radio.com. If you'd like to get in touch with us, and wherever you are in the world, we'd love to hear from you. You can do so in a variety of ways. You can contact us on Skype with the ident Dogcast Radio. That's all one word, Dogcast Radio. By email, you can contact me on Julie at dogcastradio.com When contacting us by email, if you have the facilities, please record your questions or comments and send them to us as an audio file. That way we can include them directly in our programme. We can accept most formats, for example, WAV, MP3. All these methods of contacting us can be found on our website, which is www.dogcastradio.com And as ever, the final word goes to Jenny. What do you get if you cross a dog with a frog? A dog that can lick you from the other side of the road.